You're a disaster. You knocked the whole microphone off the table. The problem is not the table. The problem is you. on Mission Podcast. Amen, amen. It is good to be here. I switched the microphones, so I'm sitting on a different side of the table. We'll see if this affects Dave too much. But uh, the minute he sits down, he pulls the whole stand right off the table. So Yeah, now you got me on the left side of the room and you on the right side of the room. I'm on the right side, yes. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I'm just putting you on the liberal side. I would like Who to be, you are. I would like this place to be a space. A space for the kingdom. Where left, right, middle, all the other things in between come together. God works for the kingdom of God. Well, anyways, it's good to be here. What's the topic for today? Well, the topic is a book that you've been reading by Reggie Williams called Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus. Yeah, and I've been reading it recently, but I've actually taken notice of it. uh, I think it's a couple years old now, yeah. Uh, two years ago, three years, 2014. Um, but, you know, with the upheaval of the Donald Trump administration of this last month, I regret and mourn that Black History Month and all the things that Black History Month does for us kind of pushes, that gets pushed to the sidelines of the American consciousness. And I think that's tragic because I think we really need, we meaning all of us, uh, need to reflect on the African-American experience and all that the African-American has gone through, including slavery, suffering through the various, you know, uh, Jim Crow um, societies of the South and elsewhere, the struggles of the civil rights movement. We need to know all that and get get a sense of that uh, in order to grapple with who we are and where we are for race relations today. And I kind of feel like that's been pushed aside. So I thought it'd be a good thing to take a moment and just recommend this book, elegantly written, so helpful in teaching us how to be present to the plight of the black community in America and um, give us the wherewithal to discern and respond to uh, the injustices of racism in our culture. Because... The book kind of takes a white man, follows the journey of a white man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and his white Euro-privileged upbringing in Germany, and how he journeyed to a place called Union Seminary up on the, uh, wait a minute, it's not the east side, it's west, upper west side of New York, and down the street was Harlem and the Abyssinian Baptist Church, where he spent a lot of time there. And by being there, uh, he 
worked alongside the African-American struggles. And he was able to see a new Jesus. And a, a Jesus not, it was dislodged from his German Volk nationalistic upbringing and the conceptual, and he was able to break out of it. I think that experience uh, of Bonhoeffer going and being among and alongside and with uh, the folks at Abyssinian Baptist Church is a lesson in itself for how we, too, have to walk through uh, these struggles together and be with people who are not us, and especially during Black History Month, spend some time being with our black brothers and sisters for us who are not black. Uh, what do you say about that, Jeff Holskell? Well, Bonhoeffer, like all of us, not like all of us, but like many of us, especially us white, dominant culture uh, individuals, grew up in a place where Jesus seemed a lot like everything that was already known and affirmed. The Volk religion, as you said, the, the re- religion of the people, uh, was painted... Um, Painted Jesus, just to reflect the people there. It kind of goes on the old adage that uh, God created man in his own image, and and man returned the favor and made God in, in our image. Wow, where'd you get that quote? I don't know. That's, that's like you, ancient. That, I didn't make that up. Oh, you I didn't make it, it up? So, so, right, so so Germany, in a sense, you know, uh, uh, you know, gave back the favor and made Jesus look exactly like the normal kind of uh, German kind of citizen there. And it took this experience in Harlem and in other other kind of things for Bonhoeffer to kind to break of break out of, out of that. So why and, don't you? Uh, and, and, but I just think, okay, here we are in a culture, and without trying to just trying to make some observations here, uh, Jesus has become amalgamated with a certain politics, a certain white politics. Uh, some people might say white politics, Donald Trump, and. So how do we really, um, how do we as white persons uh, break out of some of our encrusted frameworks, mental frameworks about the way we see Jesus? I contend that um, what Bonhoeffer did is is an example for everyone. Uh, In my own place where I live down the street, there's Latino families, black families, Asian families, people, uh, a lot of white uh, families that are living without jobs for quite some time. For me to go and be in those places dislodges the way I not only think about them, but the way I think about Jesus. And if I am paying attention, if I'm able to be present, I know that's one of my favorite words, if I'm able to enter and be present to what God is doing, among people who are not like me. I believe that's the way I get to know Jesus better. I think that's one of the main points, one of the most brilliant points of this whole book, Reggie Williams' uh, book, Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus, is that's what Bonhoeffer did with the Abyssinian Baptist Church and his visits, and his not just his visits, not just as casual, I'm going to go be there for one hour on a Sunday morning and then leave. I'll do it three times, and that'll be my cross-cultural experience for the, for the year. No, he went and worked among them for extended periods of time, and that's what that does. And by the way, I don't think we have to necessarily do that. If you live in places like I do, or even if you don't, you can go be with uh, people who are not like you and have your uh, understanding of God and who Jesus is widened immensely. 
Absolutely. Well, so uh, Williams points out a whole bunch of things, uh, but you were kind of wanting to focus on two of them. But before we do that, I just wanted to comment on one thing. Yeah. I just noticed that you say, I contend quite a bit. That's kind of one of your things, along with uh, to be present. You, you contend. And those you're things, very, but you're not contentious. Those but you do things contend. might be at odds with one another. Is that what you're saying? No, I was just pointing it I out. I contend. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure the listeners have figured that out a long time ago. I was just yeah, you here. know what? Um, I usually space out, so you know I, I didn't even notice. Hey, so moving right along. So you have these two points. One is focusing on the two two kingdoms view uh, and how this plays into uh, Bonhoeffer and how it needed to be deconstructed as well as this other idea of conceptualization of doctrine. So let's do the first one. Yeah, and yeah. Just, and, and FYI, here's a little commercial. Uh, these are things we learn in theology, church, and culture at Northern Seminary. And these are things that are hot buttons for me. So uh, when I read Reggie Williams doing work on this, I loved it. So let's just go through the first one. Uh, what what Re- Reggie Williams uh, helps us understand is there are these two Lutheran doctrines, or at least purportedly Lutheran. I would say they're Lutheran, but I don't want to blame Luther directly for them because the way they work themselves out in... Uh, uh, post-Weimer, Nazi Germany, uh, I don't think you can blame Luther himself entirely for that. But the doctrines did work out this way. So they are the created orders doctrine and the two kingdoms doctrine. And the orders of creation doctrine argues that there's, you know, certain structures of human life that are not just historical or biological. They are ordained by God as essential, as immutable. So government, marriage, Economics, say, socioeconomic systems, education. These are things that are ordained by God, and they work with a logic unto their own that God created them with. Orders of creation is what's that called. And unfortunately, what, um, what Reggie Williams helps us understand uh, to some extent is that the German culture, the Volk, the, the race, the supreme order of the Aryan race uh, became a created order. And that legitimated superiority of, you know, white over Jewish or black or the order of men over women. And I think Williams does a good job, you know, uh, looking at this doctrine. Actually, a great, great little footnote uh, from page 145, 140. 144, 145 is where, uh, you know, he speaks to how creation is a category um, that becomes, uh, that that ensconces certain understandings of the way we see race working in in the culture. So what this does is it just says, hey, this is the way things are. Black people, white people. Uh, White people over black people. Uh, White people over Jewish people. Uh, the Jewish people are this. Uh, the government, the German Aryan race is the God-given race to save the world. Orders of creation fed into the way people understood the permanence and and the naturalization of this idea. And then you put that alongside two kingdoms, and I don't want your uh, comment, Jeff. Uh, the, the two kingdoms approach is that God rules the world, or the left-hand kingdom, through secular means, the sword, compulsion, and the right-hand kingdom, the kingdom of the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God is ruled independently of that 
with different rules by the Spirit. And so the church was not was separated from government, and the church had no right to intervene anymore in the affairs of the state and the church. And so what this did was it, it withdrew the church from engaging in Volk religion, Volk government, Volk Aryan purified race, and it said, "Oh, that's that's a matter for the government. That's the that's the uh, left hand uh, um, kingdom, and we we shouldn't get involved in that. We have nothing to say about that. Let's just worry about our spiritual kingdoms inside ourselves and church, and let the government worry about itself." And this created all the conditions for what turned into a Nazi racism. So my question for you, Jeff Holsclaw, is in what ways are we seeing these same two kind of dynamics in the way we think about church and culture play out today in some of the politics of the United States and the amalgamation of Christianity with certain things that seem to be so not Christian? I contend what Reggie Williams helps us understand is these ideas of created orders um, and, and two kingdoms, uh, play into the same conditions today that the church experiences uh, with the way we're engaging the current Trump administration. What do you think? All right. Well, I got a lot of thoughts on that. This is good. I just want to circle back before I get to the how does this play out now. The idea that uh, the created order doctrines, I just want to distinguish between that as like an idea uh, that I think has some basis, perhaps, um, which is that God has created or ordained or sovereign over different areas of life that he intended to be cultivated, like marriage, economics, education, and things like that, and government. Um, that I think we could all probably say, well, there's probably some basis in that, or you know, there's some good doctrine of creation there. The problem is, is when any of those particular things gets linked with a, an expression of those, and that's cr- understood as God's creation. And so the idea of marriage uh, could be understood as God's creation, but then it can be expressed in all different ways and cultures. So how it's expressed in the West right. is different than the East, different in Africa, right? And so the problem that you wanted to, that Bonhoeffer is realizing that Williams is showing is that the problem was is that the the particular German expression of these things, of government, of education, was in a sense believed to be God's very creation. And therefore you could never critique them. Right, and and so the bit, but but you put that together with the two kingdoms, and then then you get this problem of oh, this is separate from, say, Christianity. It gives an inherent authority to marriage, government, education, and the church can't critique them. So you put the two together, and now we have uh, a major fiasco on our hands. Yes, yes. So I was just trying to throw that out there to be a little clear, and the problem is. Uh, is that I think, how does this play itself out now, is that a lot of conservative Christians have these two things in mind in some fashion uh, of created orders and two kingdoms, even if they don't know what that is, is they have some sense that God has created things in a good way and that America or uh, white America or conservative America or America, the Christian nation, actually is you know doing a good job of of expressing those things and we need to defend them. And then we do have this two kingdoms view, which is that there should be a separation of what I'm called to as a Christian and what I'm, um, what I'm called to as an American citizen. Like, I think if we talk about citizenship, uh, we kind of have this dual sit. We understand ourselves as dual citizens. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, but we're also citizens of the United States. And thankfully those things don't really interact with each other, which I think you and I, uh, are constantly frustrated by because I think the kingdom of God, our citizenship and the kingdom of God should 
always trump other citizenship demands. Yeah, and of course, uh, I know that I feel this way, and most of the time I feel like you feel this way. The best answer so far provided to this conundrum is the Anabaptist answer uh, or the Neo-Anabaptist answer where the church becomes the center of our life and everything becomes subordinate to it. Uh, And the church engages in dialogue with the world. And there will be times when we say, ah, government is working. Thank you very much. We can join in with that. But there will be times when we say, no, government is not working. In fact, it's going against, it is in rebellion against God and all he's doing in the world. We must resist nonviolently because God does not work through violence. But we must nonetheless resist. We must uh, say, open our churches to be sanctuaries to protect the immigrants against an incursion of the government against God's will for all men and women and immigration. Uh, By the way, uh, that's probably a a title or a, a topic for a podcast all in and of itself. But you know what I'm trying to say. So the two kingdoms view and the created orders... Uh, Bonhoeffer came to see as uh, chaining the church to the uh, prevailing cultural order, causing passivity in the church in Germany. It didn't challenge Hitler or those different views and was capitulating uh, to nationalism and violence and things like that. And so uh, Bonhoeffer was like, I got to get away from that. But he also, as Williams was pointing out, he needed to deconstruct another idea. What was that? It was the... Yeah. Um, uh, and this is another one I really love. Uh, and this is the way a, a doctrine gets conceptualized. What we do, you know, I could say as a white person, what I do is I like to conceptualize. I like to extract a doctrine from its context of actually living out the belief, the doctrine, and make it into a belief that we can argue about and we can write books about. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but along the way, uh, it becomes extracted and becomes a mental thing, and we're no longer engaged con- uh, in our concrete everyday lives. And Bonhoeffer realized somewhere along the line, and this is this is one of Reggie Williams' uh, points. By the way, I'm emphasizing two points from Reggie Williams' book, but because of these two things, I think they so apply to our current culture today. There's a lot of things going on in Reggie Williams' book, and I'm not even so sure he would say these are two main emphases. But this one is, I think he would say, an emphasis of. Uh, and and so, so opiate Christianity, I'm quoting from the book, results from a compartmentalizing of Christianity. That's a quote. It's when we extract a doctrine and make it a concept, something that we believe in but we no longer participate in. You know, think of the ways... So Us. opiate Christianity, is, refer- is he using Karl Marx there? Religion is the opiate of the masses? Yes. I'm so sure Christianity there's... becomes an opiate or a mere religion of the masses when it compartmentalizes or or it uh, becomes, conceptualizes doctrine. It becomes something we use to... Uh, um, it's a drug that we just use to pacify ourselves. It's the therapeutic, thank you. moral... Was it that... What's the... Deism. Deism, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know... Example, forgiveness, forgiveness of sins can be extracted from everyday life. Jesus in Christ, God in Christ, through Jesus on the cross, 
uh, offers us, makes possible, begins the work of forgiveness. Not only between us and God, but between us and everyone else. Forgiveness. It's a reality. It's not just a concept. But what we have tended to do since Luther is make it into a status. I am forgiven through my trust and faith in the propitiate work of God on the cross through Christ. I am pardoned. I have a new status, and it's extracted out of my everyday life. And now I can make forgiveness. I can yell at my wife and somehow think that that's not directly related to my Christianity. I can yell at you. Frankly, sometimes I wish I could yell at you a little bit more. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so this is what uh, Reggie Williams is talking about, how Bonhoeffer moved into the Abyssinian Baptist Church, and he started seeing what actually the, the, the call of the life in Christ to follow Jesus meant. He quotes Adam Clayton Powell, the great preacher from the Abyssinian Baptist Church, the best definition I know of saving faith versus intellectual faith. This is quoting Powell. Is the statement made by the mother of Jesus to the waiters in Canaan of Galilee when the wine gave out? Whatever he says unto you, do it. Faith consists more in doing than it does in believing. So um, we have to, in order to really understand what it means to forgive or be forgiven, is to enter Abyssinian Baptist Church, see the effects of our sin in this culture and ask for forgiveness and be forgiven and work for righteousness and justice among a people. So, um, you know, uh, I think that that's, uh, of course, that's a big part of my other work, which is ideological constructions of religion, how we make religion, Christianity, an ideology, which we fight over and we actually don't live Whenever we conceptualize, pull something out of its context and make it something to believe as opposed to lived, we are tempted then to, to dismiss or at least we create the conditions to be dispassionate and distanced from our circumstances and say, ah, just because I'm forgiven doesn't mean I have to actually engage in forgiveness and reconciliation with my buddy Jeff Holesclaw or my wife or the person down the street or the, or the two black families on my block who have been hurt so badly by white uh, regimes, uh, corporations, churches in their life. No, that is inextricable. If I really do believe in Christ, I have been forgiven and reconciled, then that is worked out in a real way of life in the neighborhood. Absolutely. So people like <clears throat> James Cone or Cornell West will talk about how uh, everything becomes so abstract or become these principles that we live by, but that's just a way of ignoring what Jesus told us to do. And they're always wanting to say, you know, love or justice or faith need to become practical. It needs to be lived out in ordinary life. So like James Cone, often, if you read him, you get the sense that he doesn't, uh, you know, like the Christian tradition or that he's upset with normal theology. And in one sense, he totally is. But his complaint is, is what you're talking about, you white, middle-class European theologians, has absolutely no bearing on my life or the life of my community or the liberation of the black uh, community from oppression. And so therefore, it's irrelevant to me. Yeah, and and so course. he's always pushing for practice. And this is also 
the critique of liberation theology is yeah. how can orthodoxy be orthopraxy, to be practical, to be right action. Yeah, and so we might now push this into the sphere of what we're dealing with now, folks, and how did the... Uh, uh, I think everybody knows that neither you nor I are Trump supporters. So uh, for those of you who are, please bear But that with doesn't us. make us liberals or progressives, though. Right, but please, folks, listen to me just for one second. Isn't the way... Uh, Trump was um, dealt with by the evangelical pastors. An example of this very th- same thing we're talking about. Oh, to be saved means you have been forgiven uh, conceptually in Jesus Christ. And Donald Trump said the prayer, and he is now a Christian, and he's still got all the stuff to be worked out, but we, we don't need to deal with that right now. It's actually a secondary thing, or at least a separate thing, and we don't have to consider it in relation to how we see and understand Donald Trump. And doesn't that then enable us to then now separate immigration Immigration and and what's happening with that tragedy, or what's happening with um, some of the, the the socioeconomics of racism and other things going on in the Trump administration. We can just separate that because what's really important is where you're going when you die. And this this whole conceptualization of Christianity, I think, feeds into or makes possible the conditions for the racism and the other cultural phenomena and the Christian endorsement of it, or at least the passive sitting by and letting it happen. And I contend, and this now is the wrap-up. Are you ready for the wrap-up? Give me the wrap-up. What's the zinger? I contend that in order to... I, wait, you contend? See, see, what, see he says Was that a too lot. strong he of a statement? A contend. contend. Go ahead. No. Go Give ahead. me another word for contend. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. Use your thesa- your mental thesaurus. Is that how you say that word? I recommend. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I suggest. I suggest. There we go. But I really do contend. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that the practice of incarnation, uh, incarnational church, the practice of Bonhoeffer going and being among and with, and being, can I say the word? Present. Yes. Faithfully present. Faithfully discerning what God is doing. Having our minds opened and our ways of being, opening up space to be with. I contend that that moves us beyond the emphasis, the right doctrine as the sole indicator of Christian identity to therefore joining in and being having a faith that is alivened uh, with a lived gospel in the neighborhoods. And this changes us and grows us. And so um, this is how we overcome privileged Christianity. Spend time with the poor. Spend time. This is chapter six of my book, Being With the Least of These. Spend time with the hurting, the marginalized. Get a different reading of the texts. See Jesus anew among people that are not you. See Jesus at work among a people. Learn how to get your your eyes, mind, ears off of yourself and cast onto the visage of the other person and discover Jesus at work and discern. That takes discernment. God isn't at work in everything and anything and everything that's going on. But in the facing the dangers of today, these ideas of created orders, two kingdoms, conceptualizing of doctrine must be fought by incarnational church that resists these forces and is able to engage.
What do you say? Jeff Holesclaw. I say amen. I say we need the church. The church needs to be the church. Uh, in the theology and of church and culture class that uh, we teach, you know, we always get to the Harawas point of the most important thing the church can do is to be the church uh, rather than to try to uh, be one of the two kingdoms or, you know, engage in fixing these fallen created orders and things like that. Rather, yeah, you and I are big on uh, creation mandate. No, but that's for a whole different podcast. But uh, if you all listening are interested in the things we've been talking about, you know, certainly you could join our theology and mission master's degree from anywhere in the country through our Northern live streaming. But more importantly, well, not more importantly, but also we're having Stanley Harawas come out just about three months from now. More importantly. In June, on June 8th and 9th, and you can get this live streaming. We're going to broadcast it, but you can also, if you're in Chicagoland, you can come in person. We're going to have have him on a podcast. Uh, We should. We should have him on a podcast. We're going to have to get our mic situation and our music and everything straightened out by the time we have that podcast. So he's he's, uh, giving the the annual theology and mission lectures on do we need the church so please check that out that'll be in the show notes and links and things like that that's june 8th and 9th please start pre-registering if you pre-register you get a free gift uh it's a secret gift you'll love it so check that out on seminary.edu slash on mission 17 also you got any more announcements fish i don't ever have any no that's true but you know we're really starved for reviews we have not gotten a new written review in several months but if you enjoy this podcast, if it blesses you, if it's changed your life even. Or, oh, come on. All right. If it's, Whoa. If it's at least entertained you every once in a while, please share the love. Write us a review. Uh, give us some stars at least on iTunes. But writing something would be fantastic. So please do that. Can I close the podcast? Yeah, let's close it down. Folks, uh, my challenge, not contention, my challenge. During this month. During the month, the, the black, <clears throat> during this Black History Month, at least what's left? Can we challenge ourselves, especially those of us blessed with privilege, to engage the other, be with the other, take the journey of Bonhoeffer, and be with those that are not like us, deconceptualize, allow God to work in those spaces, to uh, re-challenge and remake alive the person and work of Jesus Christ to bring forgiveness, reconciliation, and renewal to all things. With that, Mr. Holesclaw, I sign out for both of us, Theology on Mission podcast. Until next time, see you later. And Holesclaw, bye.